Hey, I'm Dawn Scott Damon, your freedom coach, and I'm fiercely passionate about helping you become an empowered woman. As a life coach, author, pastor, emotional and spiritual wellness advocate, I'm here to help you realize your true dreams, craft your master plan, and coach you to fulfill it with ferocious execution. As a survivor of childhood trauma, I know what it takes to overcome obstacles, fears, and insecurities, and I'm here to help you do the same. But I don't do it alone. I bring the sisterhood on to share their journey in this mad voyage called life so that you can glean from the boldest, bravest, and grittiest adventurous who are living out their dreams. Join us. Today's show is sure to change your life. So stay tuned because it's... Join the Freedom Girls Sisterhood with your Freedom Coach, John Scott Damon. Radio. It's time to join Freedom Girls Sisterhood with your Freedom Coach, Don Scott Damon. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you. I am Don Scott Damon, your Freedom Coach, and you're listening to the Freedom Girls Sisterhood podcast. So glad that you are with us today. We're women helping women live a full, fierce, and free life. And today we have a very special guest with us. But before I introduce her, I just want to bring the sisterhood on. How are you today, Wanda? Hey, Dawn. I'm good. It's Monday, you know, but it's okay. Uh Apologize for the quarantine head. Quarantine heads, you know, challenging there. But I'm very excited about the show today. Yeah, you know. It, well, you have a very special relationship with our guest today, and I'm really excited to bring her on. And so I think, you know what, Jess, we're going to just dive right in because I know that we have a lot to share and a lot to say. And mm-hmm. so I want to introduce our guest today. You know, she's not going to be a stranger to many of you, probably most of you. Right now, you may not know that she is the founder of Yes, I Will Pray internet prayer cafe boasting actually membership in the thousands and that's just outstanding there's nothing like the power of prayer and but she's also the former co-host of cbn the 700 club she's the owner of teak 22 and you guys got to hear about this when she comes on but certified christian counselor with the american association of christian counselors former co-pastor, but you're probably going to know her best as singer, songwriter, author, and I cannot wait to introduce to you Cheryl Lee Sherman. She is with us today. Welcome, Cheryl Lee. And it's so, and Wanda. Hi, honey. Otherwise known as Donna. (laughs) I don't know this. What's her name? Well, my my Wanda was kind of my nanny and my assistant and everything. I mean, she was everything to me, starting at about sixteen years old, mm-hmm. and maybe seventeen. How old were you, Wanda? Sixteen. How much? Sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had a little baby, and her name was Canaan, and it took her a long time to learn how to talk. Oh, yeah. So she would just say things that were like babbly and everybody else would just say what she said. So she didn't really have to learn to talk because everybody spoke for her, but everyone <laughs> come out with something and she couldn't say things forward. She said them backwards. So Wanda's name was Wanda, but she called her Donna. Oh. And then we had another friend whose name was Karen and she called her Rinka. So, I mean, it, it, it just kind of <laughs> became the name. 
that Wanda mm -hmm. became Donna. And we may be the only ones who call her that, but. I mean, hey. no, there are friends, Linda and Debrina and other friends that were during that time period that all call me Donna. Everybody calls her Donna. So oh. anyway, that's, that's our little story. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's such a special story. And I hope that if not today at another time, or we get into it today, but you guys have a very special story, a very unlikely friendship, mentorship, and a story of redemption. It's so powerful. And I'd love to, I'd love for our listeners to hear that sometime. But the the short story is, is that uh, you were very instrumental in Wanda's life and bringing her to a place of walking with Jesus Christ and, yes. and experiencing some healing, right, Wanda? November, November 18th, 1980, on my knees in the, on the brown carpet in our family room, that's where she led me to accept the Lord. Mm. So that's like, remember, Dawn, we've talked about this. We've talked about this on the air about that being 40 years this year. Yes, that's right. How I'm done. I've done my 40 years in the desert. And I'm getting ready to cross the Jordan because I'm done wandering about, you know, so the 40 years is really important. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that has a lot of spiritual significance. So really does. that's awesome. Not a lot about it. Jubilee. Yeah. And yeah, it's a lot of stuff. Amen. So Cheryl Lee, let's turn to you a moment. I would love to hear what you are up to and what you're doing. And for those that may not be completely familiar, share about your, your career, your story. Just bring us into your life a little bit, if you will. You know, it's a funny thing about life stories. I, I have people around me, not so much today, but have in my past had people around me who all they wanted to talk about was their stories. And all they wanted to talk about was basically themselves and yeah. all the things they had done and all the things, places they had been and all the people they had met. And I got to the point where I realized that all of those things that people, me, have been allowed to do, the privileges that we've had to travel the world, to go and do concerts, to do television, to do television specials, to co-host the 700 Club, whatever those things are, those things were foundational and that's what they need to stay. Mm -hmm. That's what I stand on. If somebody has to tell you everything that they did about themselves because that's all they've got, then that means that today isn't very special for them. And so, you know, I, I feel that that is, all those things are there. And if anybody ever wants to really know the whole story of my bio and everything, you, you write to me and I'll send it to you. But you know, I've done a lot of things. I've been a lot of places. I've met a lot of people. I've had a lot of opportunities to be around very famous people. I mean, singing at the White House for, for Ronald Reagan's inauguration is a pretty big deal, you know. But I remember it, when you got that invitation in the mail. I know that. That um, white invitation up in the, in the left-hand corner with the gold embossed letters that said the White House. <laughs> oh my gosh. I ripped that thing open so fast. Had I, had I known what it really was, I, I should have saved it because I probably could have taken it on Antique Roadshow and it'd be worth, you know, a, a lot. <laughs> but I just got into it. And, you know, it was just, those, those things have been a springboard for me. It has parlayed what I have been called to do into a place where I can be effective in a lot of different areas. And not me personally, but God working through me personally. And 
that's what I want to see other people be able to realize that our, there's a verse in the Bible said, he who's it's, it's in, the, in the Proverbs say, he, he who works his land will have abundant food, but he who chases fantasies lacks judgment. Mm-hmm. We've all been given a plot of land and some of us have, you know, just enough for a single wide trailer to be parked on it. Some of us have acres and acres and acres of land. All of that comes from experiences and people and things that we've done and places we've been and all of that. But all of it is to be used because whatever plot of land we have, we're supposed to plant seed in it. And we're supposed to have a harvest that comes up. And he who works that land will then have what? You'll have abundant food that you're going to be able to partake of. And not only you, but you're going to be able to give it away. Mm -hmm. So the more you have, the more you can give away. So that's kind of how I look at where God has placed me at this point in my life. There's a lot of land and there's a lot of things that have been planted. And now there's a lot of people that I can, I can draw from. I can, I can get their expertise because I know them. They're in my land. I can, I can, reap the harvest from what they have planted in my life. And that's a pretty exciting thing. Yes. Amen. Well, you know, in order to do what you just said, um, you have to have a really strong identity in Christ, don't you? I mean, did you always just have that sense that you knew, or did you see some things around you in those early days where you, you learned by the spirit of God and you said, you know what, that's not how I want to live my life. How did, you, how did you develop this identity in Christ that says, it's not about me, it's about what I do for, for God? Yeah, good question. I grew up a preacher's kid. Okay. I grew up in a very strict Pentecostal upbringing. <clears throat> I never went to a dance. We didn't have a TV until I got on it with the uh, with world action singers at ORU my parents finally got a tv because I was on it and they felt like that was all of a sudden it wasn't so much of a sin if I was on it but um I didn't go to movies I didn't go to sporting events I didn't go to anything and except church and everything we did was church oriented I lived in a bubble Mm. in a vacuum Mm -hmm. and I lived with a lot of vocabulary words that other people wouldn't understand Mm -hmm. and I think once I left home, it was almost like there was a pinprick in that bubble. And I started to discover that there was a whole world out there Mm -hmm. that I was clueless as to how to function in. Mm -hmm. And so I went a little crazy. And I started, you know, I didn't go crazy enough to where I was... I became an alcoholic or a drug addict or anything like that. And a lot of people do. That does happen. It didn't happen to me. But, you know, sometimes just the resistance to everything that you heard that now you start to question a little bit because now you have other influences that are coming in and you're wondering whether or not there was absolute truth in everything you heard or was it an opinion or was it a rule or was it a regulation and that was all a jumble in me and I I really had to work through all of that mm-hmm. I got into Hollywood I was I was singing on a television series for um CBS. I mean, it was a, a national primetime series that I was on with the Johnny Man Singers. And during that period of time, I met a tremendous amount of celebs. I spent a lot of time in that world. And I remember my mother coming down to visit me one time. And, you know, my mother was a Pentecostal minister, as was my father. And she came down to visit me. And I had to take my little sports car 
because I was cool. I had to take my little sports car to get an oil change. So we're sitting there waiting for this to happen. And my mother, unbeknownst to me, is praying under her breath for me. And she told me later on that she had prayed that God would get me out of there. Get me out of Hollywood. Get me out of show business. Get me out of all of that. Let me tell you something. I think even my mother was surprised at what she heard. Because God said to my mother, Anne, which was her name. He called her by name. Anne, I have her right where I want her. Well, she wasn't going to argue because she she was a very obedient servant of God. And when she heard that, it was like she was released. And she knew that that was where I was supposed to be. She didn't like it, right? but she was at peace. Yes. And so she let it go. Because see, here's the thing. God has no grandchildren. We've heard that forever. I couldn't ride the coattails of my parents or the experience they had that brought them to the Lord and brought them to the kind of commitment that they had. I had to get it for myself. I was in my early 20s. I had already spent, I mean, I think I was 20, I was 20. Right after the Johnny Man Singers, I ended up having an opportunity to go and work with Pat Boone. And I had my 21st birthday in Taipei, Taiwan with the Boone family and all of us who were together. So, I mean, those are, you know, little, little things that little glimpses into the kind of things that were, were going on. But it's, it's an interesting thing because even traveling with the Boone family, which was, an adventure because Pat and Shirley, well, Shirley is now deceased and, and she was such a great influence. I, they kind of took me in as one of their other daughters. Like they didn't need a fifth daughter, but I was there and they would spend time and Shirley would spend time with me and we would talk and all of those things, all those questions, all of that just had a place where I could take them. I mean, I could, I could talk to her. She wasn't my mom. I mean, she kind of was, but she wasn't. She wasn't my mom, but she was a mom. And I could talk to her and I could get information from her that she would introduce to me and, and present to me in a way that I got it. I remember one night, and I wasn't even going to tell the story. I haven't even thought about it. But one night I had a friend who, I was at a Bible study of all things with Hal Lindsey. Hal Lindsay was doing a Bible study and I was there and a girlfriend of mine had taken me and her, and then another friend who was in the Johnny Man Singers with me and her brother also came. So here we all were waiting for Hal to show up so that he would start the Bible study. And all of a sudden the girl who was with, was from the Johnny Man Singers said, Oh, I just got a phone call that I have to, I got to go and see this person in Malibu. Will you drive me? Well, we kind of all had come together. So, I mean, it was like, if you're going to go, we're all going to have to go. So we ended up at a psychic's house. Yeah. Well, to me, I mean, it was a frightening thing. But at the same time, it was a little bit intriguing. Because, you know, I grew up in Pentecost. People spoke in tongues. People had prophecies. People had things that they had knowledge of things. And I thought, hmm. So I went. Well, this woman wanted to talk to my friend who was in Johnny Man Singers because evidently they'd been having conversation. So I, my other friend and I just kind of sat there and listened. And next thing I know, she turned 
to me. And she started telling me about my life. There was no way anybody could ever have known except the one she was listening to was giving her that information. And I want to tell you what, it was, it scared me half to death. And I looked at my friend who was there and I said, we got to go. We got to go now. No, 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 I'm not. not. We're going now. Mm -hmm. So we left. And you know what I did? I drove straight to Pat Boone's house. And it was almost midnight. And I rang the doorbell and I kept ringing the doorbell. All the lights were out. I kept ringing the doorbell. And all of a sudden, here he comes to the door, of course, dressed in white, all white, even in the night. <laughs> he comes to the door and he says, oh, Shirley, come in, what's wrong? I said, I've got to talk to you. I've got to talk to you. So they bring me in and Shirley comes down from downstairs and they take me into the living room and all these other people are with me. We're, we're all there. They've all been part of this whole psychic trip. And they don't even know who these people are, but they're hanging along with me. And here I am. And Shirley, this is profound. Shirley takes me by the hand and leads me into their dining room. There are no lights on. They've gone to bed. So, I mean, they're not going to turn on all the lights in the house. So we go in the dining room and we sit, I sit down. And all of a sudden she comes over and she puts her hands on me. And she starts to pray. And then she starts to give me this amazing love message from Jesus. And he said, did you not think I meant you? When I said I would go after the one lost sheep. Wow. It was life changing. Yes. Because I knew then that he knew me and that he wanted me. He didn't want me through my parents. He didn't want me through the other pastors that were at the church. He didn't want me through my Sunday school teacher. He didn't want me through my friends. He didn't want me through the boo. He didn't want me through anybody. He just wanted me to be his. It, it was life changing. And... It was after that that I began really understanding how important it was for me to develop this relationship with him myself. And I started just pouring into the word. I remember sitting at my piano one time and I was singing the Bible. I was just singing the Psalms. I was just singing them because it was the, I thought, well, hey, the lyrics are already there. All I have to do is just you know, sing them. So that's what I was doing. And as I began to sing these, suddenly it dawned on me that these words were not past tense. Mm, amen. These words for, were for now. They already were and are. And I didn't have to wonder about what it was that God wanted for me or who he wanted me to be. Because if I would just take his word and I would read it as a now word, everything would be different. Mm -hmm. And it was. Amen. Now, did I make mistakes? Absolutely. Was I perfect? <laughs> He knows more than anybody know I was not. But you know what? He saw me perfectly because he saw me through the lens of Jesus. And so all of my mistakes were filtered out. It wasn't that they weren't important and I shouldn't do something about them. Of course we should. But he's a patient God as we become and as we develop. 
he told Peter, when you are converted, right. go tell your brothers. Peter had been walking with Jesus for three years. Right. But he says, but when you've been converted. Right. See, conversion is a process. Mm. And so I had to accept that. And even when I would do stupid stuff and do things I should never have done in a million years, there was still that loving Jesus saying, I'm working on you. I'm working in you. We're going to get through this together. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're not going to fear the evil because I'm here. I'm with you and you're going to get to the other side. Amen. So that was a long story for your question, but, <laughs> and I never intended to tell it. And I don't think I've told it probably, but five times in my whole life since it happened. Yep. Well, it's for somebody. It's yeah. for somebody who needed to hear that. That's what I was going to do. not think that I meant you when I said I would go after the one lost sheep. Take that and eat it up because it's absolute truth. Right. So let's just repeat that just for a moment for anyone who's listening. If you don't think that God sees you, he knows you, he's going to come after you. His reach is <clears throat> able to get you wherever you are. You cannot outrun a loving God. And I love the story because what you shared was your journey or your passageway from being that grandchild, which we know God doesn't have grandchildren, just has children but at some point you had to make that journey and you know for people who maybe don't understand when you said we went you went to a psychic and we all went ooh uh, what we mean by that is that you know the spirit world is very real and god speaks and demons speak and there is a world out there that's real people think sometimes that this relationship or this i would rather say christianity I think it's just a religion that you have to measure up to and you have to do these works and you have to somehow earn your way. They don't understand that it's a living, loving relationship with God, the supreme God of the universe, the only God of the universe, but that he knows your name. And like you just said, you're the one, he'll leave everything to come and find you. And so you made that journey and Jesus yes. is real to you. And and then your mom, when she was praying and, and God said, no, I have her right where I want her. Maybe he wanted you there so that you could indeed make that passageway. So yes. you live in religion your whole life. Yes. And yes. Yeah. I needed to get past the religious part. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'll tell you something. Some of those, some of those coat hangers that we have, <laughs> you know, that we, that were just helping us stay up on that rod for so long they're hard to get rid of yeah i mean yeah. sometimes i was thinking i was reading your book and i thought people who have gone through the traumas of physical abuse or emotional abuse you know there's religious abuse yes oh yes and i had that i i mean i didn't understand it then but i do now and my husband every once in a while i'll say something and alan will say to me now there goes that religious talk again. And it just, ooh, it's like a little knife goes in me because it is there. Yeah. You know, you, you have to undo all that and unpack it. And, and sometimes it'll just raise its head up again because it's just, you know, the computer brain of ours is so amazing that to delete something doesn't necessarily stop the hard drive. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it has a way of cropping up again. Wanda, were you going to say something? No. 
I mean, oh. I'm loving this. Just okay, listening. Well, yeah, so, so that powerful story, and I have to imagine, so you probably knew that you could sing from you were age three or four, I bet. Um, yeah. but, you know, when, when you sing, and, and I've done some singing in my life, and when I would sing and minister from a place um, as, a, as a young girl in the church singing, I was just performing or trying to do execute the song well. And then when I began to sing from a place of love for God, and brokenness, really, not that I was broken, but, but my hard shell, my pride, or that exterior, that image that you try to portray, that was broken open. And then, you know, the Holy Spirit could move through me. And that's when I really, I, it wasn't about singing any, anymore so much as it was about another venue to proclaim who Jesus is and his love. Yeah. You sense an experience like that? Was there a change in your music after that? Um, you know, it's funny because I was still doing some work with Johnny Mann. There was a, a young man that called me one day to come and do a recording session. I was a first studio call singer, first call studio singer. And he called me one day to come and do a session. And I was excited because... I had heard some of his music and I was very intrigued because it wasn't the kind of Christian music that I had grown up with. And his music had unbelievable chord patterns and the lyrics and the, and, and the harmonies, everything was just, it was very lush. It was very, very, very attractive to me. So I got excited about doing this session. So I met him. The session turned into many, many, many more sessions over the years and a very close relationship. And I remember thinking to myself during that period of time, you know, Paul has never one time preached anything to me. He has lived in front of me. And I realized that some of the, the things and the reservations that I had in growing up, thinking that I wasn't able to be who I really was, that I had to be what they told me I needed to be, that that wasn't true because I was watching him and watching his life and observing him and realizing I, I would like to be like him. I'd like to be a Christian if that's what, that's what it means. If, if this is how you can be, he was fun. He was intelligent. You know, he was good looking. He was, I mean, everything about the whole thing and the music that he produced was just outstanding and so that was kind of my stepping out place of realizing that I didn't have to do things because I really didn't want to sing the way I'd been shown you're supposed to sing or the songs I thought I was supposed to sing because to me they weren't personal there they I would listen to songs on the radio that were about people and their relationships and, and love and, and all of these different things. And I thought, why can't we write music like that? Why, why don't people in Christian music write music like that? Why don't they make it so that it's re relatable to people? Relevant. And I didn't, are. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so when I listened to Paul's music, I realized that that's what he had done. And I just ate it up with a stick and a spoon. I just loved it. And I realized that that was what I wanted to do. Well, one day, he came to me and he said, Cher, it's time to do an album. And I looked at him and of course, that's what I was in Hollywood for. I mean, I saw my name in lights. I thought Barbara Streisand, move over because Shirley is here <laughs> and I've got a place in this world. And 
I thought, this is it. And I said, well, what are we going to do? And he goes, well, it's going to be a Christian album. Oh, I was a little dejected. But then we started picking the music. It was nothing like I'd ever, ever heard in my church or yeah. any place else that I had sung. And there was something so refreshing about it. Songs that he wrote, songs that I wrote. And then there was a song that a friend of mine from the Johnny Man Singers had, she called me one day and I was already now a staff writer with Paramount, famous music. I'm, I was writing music, secular music. And she called me and she said, hey, can I come over? I've just written my first song and I really would love for you to hear it. I said, sure, I'd love, I'd love to hear it. Come on over. So she comes to my apartment, she gets her guitar out and she starts to play this song. Dawn, it was like somebody had taken a scalpel and had just taken it down my chest and peeled back everything until you could see the broken heart, the confused heart, the hurting heart, the heart that had questions and confusion and things that I didn't understand that I was still grappling with. And the song was called, Oh God, I Heard Inside. Oh, wow. How now, it, was, it wasn't as important that I was able to confess all of the things about hurting what was important was the last part that says, oh God, please be my guide. Make your will revealing. Please free me from this feeling. I'm open to your healing. Beautiful. I called Paul right then and I said, Paul, I got the last song on the album. Mm -hmm. And he heard it. it. It was the closing song for every single concert I did for all the years that I was on the road. And it was on my first album and my last album that I just did with Ralph Carmichael, we re-recorded it with his arrangement of it because I wanted to start and finish with the same song wow. because it's powerful. And you know, there's a lot of people who say, mm -hmm. I'm confused. That was in the song. I'm hurting. That was in the song. There's things I don't understand. That was in the song, but the, but, yeah. but I'm open to your healing. Mm -hmm. Right, Wanda? Yes, and let me just say that in, um, it was March of 1979, the year I graduated, I was 16 years old, and Shirley came to do a concert at my school, my high school, and the seniors, of course, sat in the front, front rows, and she did her concert, and we had met before, if you remember, Merle had introduced us, he totally wanted us to meet, and so we met. And I was sitting in the front row with the seniors and uh, she sang that song was the song she closed with, but she would not stop looking at me the whole song. <laughs> she was singing it. And I felt like I was naked sitting there, but I was dressed in the summertime. Remember that? In a coat. It was the summertime. In a, in a coat. Heavy coat with Wolf. fur around the collar and covered up in the summer where you got sunburned. I had a coat on. Remember that? Yep. And you I, sang that song and it just floored mm. me. It floored me. Mm. I remember that day very well. Mm. Wow. That's pretty incredible, you guys. And I think of the lyrics that you just shared, uh, Shirley, I can't help but think that that's a lyric that people need to hear even today. Mm -hmm. In this world, there's so much fear, obviously, and confusion. And Man, um, just we've lost true north. We're, we're yes. just 
the place. It's like the book of judges come alive where everyone is doing what they think is right in their own eyes. And, and in the name of freedom, people are in bondage all over the place. Yes. Yes. That spiritual bondage that they, that they're in. And, uh, but there is a healer. And so talk to us about what you're doing right now and what is, you know, you've obviously, you have a very thriving ministry still today and tell us about what you're up to now. Well, it's, yes, I will pray is probably my favorite thing just about that I've ever done because it, nobody can take the credit, but Jesus. And I love that. I love that it has no dress code. I love that there is no travel involved. <laughs> there's no sex, there's no technical, technical things that can go wrong. Yes, I Will Pray was born out of a time when National Day of Prayer, about 2010 or 11, was not going to be recognized by the president, the, the then president. And it was very sad because the National Day of Prayer had been started in the 50s. And it had gone on for a long time. And this was the first time that it was not going to be recognized by the president of the United States. Well, a few months down the road, a friend of mine, this was in September of, I forget exactly the, the time, but she wrote to me on Facebook. I had just joined Facebook. I didn't know much about it. And so I was kind of a green weenie, but she, she contacted me and she said, you know, I really think that we need to pray because they're having this big million Muslim march in Washington, D.C., and they're going to be gathering on the National Mall on this particular yep. day. And she said, I think that we, you and I should pray together about that. So we, I agreed that we needed to, and she sent me the article about it. And she said, I want you to see what's, what's going to be happening. So long story short, I really, really believed that this was something that I needed to make bigger than just the two of us. And so being a newbie on Facebook, I scooted around to see what I could see as to how you could put an event on. So I saw the page, how to do it, and I did it. And I called it an urgent national call to prayer. And I really had a strong sense that we needed to all pray the same prayer at the same time, at the exact same time they were going to be meeting. This was not a prayer against anything or anyone. It was a prayer to reveal Jesus to these people and to pray for them. And so um, it, that was on Facebook and people could see it. Well, little Miss Donna over here gives me a phone call because, or actually she writes to me on Facebook and she was now producing a big radio program out in the Bay Area of San Francisco and she writes to me and says, hey, I'd like for you to be a guest on the program, big call-in program that goes through drive time. And so I, I said, absolutely, I'd love to. She goes, Tell, just let's talk about, yes, you know, the, the National Urgent Call to Prayer. Well, somebody else also saw that she had asked me that. Mm -hmm. And another person from the Bay Area writes to me and says, how would you like to have a website up and running before you go on the air? I went, well, duh. <laughs> I wasn't born yesterday but I'm sure not stupid and so I said yes I would love to have that so he he starts putting together a website very very quickly and he sends me what he had done to approve and I had called it I will pray that was the name I'd given it when he sent it back to me for me to approve or disapprove or to correct or edit or whatever he had entitled it yes I will pray 
I knew that I knew right then that that was the title it had to be because it had to start with that declaration, yes. that commitment to say, yes, I will pray. And so that's what we called it. Well, my husband and I went on the, the show in San Francisco and it was supposed to be a 15 minute show. And it turned out that every other guest was canceled because the phones were lighting up so much. I know Wanda can confirm this. It was so amazing what happened. People just kept calling and calling and calling and wanting to know how they could be a part of it. Well, this website, I mean, it got overloaded because there were so many people that called and wanted to commit to, to yes, I will pray and to being a part of that. It, it went from this station to many other stations around the United States until when the day came, and I really have to share this with you because it was so important. When the day came, the prayer was written. The Lord had given me the words to say, we were all going to pray exactly the same words at exactly the same time in whatever time zone you were in. It was going to be exactly the same time. And we were going to be unified. Mm -hmm. Most importantly, that we were going to have that clarion trumpet sound that was going to sound and not just so God would hear it, but so principalities and powers would hear it in the heavenlies as well. Well, that day came and I'm telling you, the anticipation was unbelievable. The music we had, Jimmy and Carol Owens had given me the rights to have. Yes. Um, if my people be the underscore for them. I mean, it was, it was a really magnificent event. We get through the prayer. I've never felt power in my life ever as I did when you know thousands of people are praying all the same prayer at the same time. When it was over, it, it was like that you were shaking, but at the same time, there was that letdown feeling like when all the gifts are open at Christmas time and you think, wow, it took me so long to do all that and wrap them all up. And now it's just a <laughs> bunch of boxes and everybody's out you know, playing baseball or whatever. Right. And it was so, it was, there was that letdown feeling. And all of a sudden I heard God's voice and he said, I never told you to stop. I said, oh, really? What do we do? He said, pray for one another. I got right on the internet. I mean, there was no space between what he said and me letting people know, yes, I will pray, was born for an everyday 24-7 international internet prayer cafe where people can post their prayer requests. I guard it like a mama bear. I mean, there is nothing that I will let come on there that is not appropriate. That I mean, there, there is one requirement. Do you believe Jesus is the answer? Okay, you're in. Okay. I don't want anybody praying to any other gods. I don't want anything else in there. I don't want people bringing in their sermons. I don't want their, their, their youth group music. To, I don't want any of that. This is, this is a dedicated site for people to come and bring prayer requests and praise reports. And somebody instantly, I'm telling you, as soon as those, when you become a member, every prayer request that comes on comes to your page immediately. And immediately people are praying. And Dawn, can I just interject? Um, I've been watching Yes, I Will Pray for years now. And I saw it from the very beginning when it started on Lifeline. Mm -hmm. And then, and I used it many times since yeah. then. And let me tell you something. You send, you just say a prayer request on there and literally hundreds and thousands of people, not hundreds yeah. of thousands, but thousands of people, not yet, thousands of people see your prayer request and they go to it. These people are serious yeah. prayers. And they're all over the globe. 
They're all over the globe. It yep. is amazing. It That's, is. You don't know any of them, and they're just praying for you like they, you're their mother or sister. It's amazing. And you know, and and Wanda, here's why, and Don, here's why, because you don't have to get all wrapped up in the religiosity of prayer. You, this is a conversation we're having right now. This is the same conversation we have with God. When you see that prayer request, all you have to do, you've read it, you read it, you go in Jesus name. I pray for that. You know, it's done. I mean, it's not complicated and it doesn't have a whole bunch of rules and regulations and requirements and everything. It's just, Believe Jesus is going to meet this need. He's going to let his perfect plan and purpose be, be done in this situation. And I'm telling you, it has, I have seen, I have seen the miracles of God. Like, I can't, I can't even express it. I've seen lost children be returned. I've seen people with tongue cancer. You think you got a problem? Try tongue cancer. I mean, I mean, honestly, I've seen people with tongue cancer be healed. I've seen, I've seen people die. Mm-hmm. I've seen people who are, our way of thinking the answer to prayer was that they would live. And God says, no, it's time for them to come home. And you know, I've learned that, that there's a rejoicing to be done in that because they got to go home. They got to go home. They got to come home to a warrior's welcome. And you know, there's, there's a joy in that along with the sadness because we're earth people. And so we, you know, we have the earth sadness, but we're kingdom people and we have the kingdom joy. And that's the beautiful thing about it. But honestly, I could go through a list longer than you would be able to listen to of the things that God has done and the praise reports that have come in. And it is pure. It is pure. There is nobody who gets mm-hmm. to take any credit. Mm-hmm. Nobody. And you can do it in your car. You can do it in your bathtub. You can do it at the gym. You can do it in the lunchroom. You could, I don't care where you are. Nobody has to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Just pray. It's Just great. pray. Well, tell us why you're talking about that right now. Cause I know people are going to say, how do I become a part of that? Am I able to Ooh. be a part of that? Give us the, is that a Facebook group that you have? It is at this point. It is. It's a Facebook group. It's called. Yes. You remember the word? Yes. Yes. I will pray. It's a group. But if you go on Facebook and you just write in, yes, I will pray, it will take you to the group page and there you'll see a place to request to become a member. And the only reason I have done it that way is, first of all, I believe it's extremely important that I vet every single person who wants to come on. And some people I don't let come on because they don't meet the requirement. The only requirement, as I told you, is Jesus is the answer. If, if that's not part of your M.O., that's not part of your, your, uh, anything but, about your life. Yeah. You wouldn't want to be on the group anyway. No, no, yeah. no. It would be there for confusion and I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. And I want to make sure we're all on the same page as to what God we're praying to. So that's what I do. And I look, and I must tell you, I look at your page and I look and see what your likes are. <laughs> and I look and I see what's going on. And if you, if there's nothing about the Lord on there and there's nothing about the Bible or anything spiritual, sorry. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'll pray for you, <laughs> but you're not going to be part of what we're doing. <laughs> well, and, and that's important because it's not, like you said, it's not about a bunch of rules and regulations, and it isn't that you don't care or wouldn't love that person, but you are monitoring and protecting yeah. a movement in the spirit that you said is very pure. There's there's not mm-hmm. a lot of dilution, and there's not any contamination, and the right. power of prayer that's why miracles are happening 
You know, that's why you're seeing things that you're seeing because it, it, there's no mixed agenda here. It's just right. people who know God, know what God will do. We know how Jesus moves when you pray in his name and trusting him for that outcome. And that's, that's awesome. That's and, just being smart and protecting what God has given you. That's your baby. You don't want to hand what, your baby over to just have everyone have access to your baby, you know? Paul told yeah. Timothy, Paul told Timothy, guard care what has been entrusted to your care that is a message for every single person whom god has chosen and called mm -hmm. because whatever he has given to you you are responsible for that mm -hmm. yes. you know the man who was given the 10 talents and the five talents and the one talent i mean they all were responsible for what they'd been given and that's why to the one who buried it he said i'm going to take what i gave you and i'm going to give it to the guy who has the most because he knows how to be responsible with what i gave him Yes. And that's such a sobering thought because we are, we are called to be stewards in this world. And I think about that a lot. You know, um, you, you talked about the book earlier, you're talking about the freedom challenge. I think it's over my shoulder right in there somewhere, but so many pages there where I was writing about the lies of Satan and tearing down the lies of Satan. And, but at the same time, using the gifts and that God has given us and being good stewards of understanding that the Lord deposited in us at our creation and in our rebirth and in our infilling of the Holy Spirit, but gifts that he's given us that he wants us to use. And we're not just to fling them out there haphazardly. We're supposed to be right. stewards of the things that God has given us tear down those lies, lies that might say that we're not good enough. We're not valuable. We're not adequate. Let somebody else do it. Or right. a lot of people that might say, I'm the best, nobody can do it like me. That neither extreme is good. Right. But to uh, take a step of faith and to, to allow what his purpose is for your life. I mean, I would ask you right now, Shirley, do you feel like you're living in your purpose and the will of God in this season of your life as much or more perhaps than you've ever been before or equally as, as much? more more yeah i wondered more. if you would say that much more yeah. you know what because we all from and and i believe that the things that god is calling me to do now are because i'm ready mm -hmm. took me this yeah. long to get but i'm ready he says i'm ready i don't have to say i'm ready he says i'm ready and what he calls us to do he equips us to do mm -hmm. but Amen. sometimes it takes a lot of years to get us equipped Sometimes you got to get back on the track. Sometimes you've gotten off the track. I told somebody the other day, you know, and I told Wanda this, I remember one time telling her exactly these words, wherever you got off the track, that's where you got to get back on. Mm -hmm. You right. can't go 10 miles down the road and try to get back on the track. It will never work. You have to get back on where you got off. Right. But see, if you got off, then you're going to have to take the time to go back and get back on. And then you're going to have to make progress again. It's kind of like homeschool. You don't get to pass the class and go to the next class until you pass the one that you're in. So you can't really keep on going forward until you have made the move and you've done what you needed to do to be able to go to the next step. And right. some of us never get past first step to the second step. And once God has seen that we're willing to go step by step by step, nobody can jump up the ladder from the bottom to the top. You have to take the steps. Right. And so, you know, sometimes our lives are a little long in the tooth before we ever get a chance to really do all the things that God has called us to do. But guess what? God doesn't live in time. 
that's that's what I love. He doesn't live in time. We do. He says, I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten, the canker and the palmer worm have destroyed. How does he do that? Because he doesn't live in time. He can do whatever he wants. He can speed up the, the work that we would have done over 20 years. He can do it in one. He can do it in a week. He can do it in whatever he wants. He can, we can go viral in a second, in a nanosecond. We've seen mm-hmm. it happen. Mm-hmm. And you know what? This is the joy of serving God and, and, and being willing to wait for his purpose and plan. When he says you're ready, you better be ready to move. Be ready. Yes. Be ready. But yeah. get ready. You can't be ready till you get ready. Right. right. And, you know, getting ready, um, stay in Christ. The, the New mm-hmm. Testament is filled with those terms, put off the old, put on the new, since yeah. we are now in Christ. And we, we've come full circle kind of talking our, about our identity, but this isn't, this isn't a call to more human effort. This is not an invitation to prop yourself up and try harder and do better. This is actually an invitation to surrender and to letting go, let our agendas go and the way we think things are supposed to be and center in and just know that we are hidden in Christ Jesus. And, and when we are willing to go deep, he'll take us wide. We deepen our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll help us go this way and do what it is that, that he's called us to do. That's and really good. Really get that relationship with Jesus. The other things start making sense. Yes. Right. Hey, I wanted to just bring up real quickly uh, the red couch. Yeah. Ooh, the red couch. <laughs> the red couch. Ooh, what is the red couch? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, the red couch is um, it's a it's it's an object. It's a symbol. We actually have a red. We have have two red couches, but we use this red couch as a place where where my husband Alan and I will just speak from our hearts. It started with the coronavirus thing because everybody was in, you know, we were all sitting inside and I think that it was a great time to revisit the callings of God and to reestablish our, our priorities and our focus. And it wasn't something that we had planned to do, but it just kind of evolved. And all of a sudden here we were getting ready to do a video where we were going to talk to people. It started with us praying for people and having communion. It started on Good Friday night. We had communion virtually yeah you had to get your own stuff because i couldn't give it to you and so we would have communion together and then we prayed for people we prayed for deliverance over people and we talked about where god was in all of this and we didn't know if it was ever going to go any farther but we we so we did that it wasn't called the red couch then we just sat on a red couch and next thing you know it just evolved into being called the red couch because the red couch is a place where you can sit and you can comfortably and casually and safely have a conversation, but it's also holy ground because God is there. And so we bring these things all and tie them all up and, and, and give them to him so that he then can anoint and he can do what he wants to do with that. And so, and we're Wonderful. also going to be doing a podcast called The Red Couch, too. I'm so excited. Great. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Some other things, too. We've got some ideas that are just brewing that I feel, I feel really excited about. And it is time. It is time for this. My husband and I have done something over the years. It's called Ask the Pastor. And yeah. it's where people can write 
we would do a, a Sunday morning service and then we'd get a, give everybody a three by five card that they could take home with them and write down the question. Their pastor hopes they'll never ask him. And so, so we, you know, cause we were hit and run. <laughs> we, we could say whatever we want and out the door we were, <laughs> but, I mean, but, but still it was biblical. It was God is God says. And that was how, that was the grid that we would put over every answer over every question. And so I think that's going to be a part of the red couch as well, because people do have questions and a lot of times they don't really feel comfortable in being able to talk to somebody they know about it. And so they need a place where they can feel safe and they can ask these questions. And we're just crazy enough to give them an answer on, on video (laughs) and let them know, here's your answer. I love that. That's so good. My husband and I have done something very similar and it's amazing how many people watch and comment. And I think they need that. Once again, this world really crying out for some, some Christian leaders, some Jesus followers that are willing to open up their heart and share the deep things and And who smile and who are happy and have joy. Yes. And aren't scary. And you don't come with their list of don'ts and don'ts that I learned from her. That I learned from her. Yeah, the list I want to don'ts and don'ts. When I, I was doing a concert one time in Seattle, Washington. No, yeah, Seattle, Washington. And I was at this little church, and I was doing a Sunday morning service. And you know, I thought when I first started singing, even though I was singing these songs that I really, really enjoyed, and thought they finally had, you know cross the line into something that I would feel comfortable singing and wanting to sing. I still had this, I don't know. I had a, a way of performing that it, it was a little stiff, which is hard for me to believe today because I am nothing but, you know, I, I don't do anything <laughs> stiff. But, but the thing is, is that I would kind of stand there and I would be holy. You know what I mean? I would stand certain way because that's what I'd seen other people do so I thought that's what you do if you do a Christian right. concert you gotta stand a certain way look a certain way talk a certain way so I did all that well this yeah. one Sunday this was several years down the road I'm at the church and I'm at the piano and I start to play and the Lord says take your hands off the keys holy moly are you kidding me what does that mean but I did it I took them off the keys and I just looked at the people and I said, excuse me, but God wants to tell me something. So you're just going to have to wait a minute before I do anything else because I didn't know what to do. I thought, what is he going to tell me? I mean, I didn't know if he was going to strike me. I didn't know what was going to happen. But he said to me, you need to use all of you, not just the part you think is the right part. I made every single part of you, including your humor. Yeah. I want you to be like me. Use everything. Right. It all changed right then. And I never, you know what? I would go into concerts with a list of songs, didn't know what I was going to sing. I had no idea. I didn't, I was an audience to me. I didn't know what I was going to say or sing. And I would just look at it and go, I'll do that one. And then I would say something and then it would, and I mean, we, I ended up having more fun. Right. I realized that God, put this thing called laughter in us that keeps us healthy and it runs through our body. And you know, the comedians, many of the comedians have taken that gift and they have absolutely abused it, but it's a God thing. 
David like, laughed before the Lord, you know, he laughed, he danced. And oh, I just did that. So I, I don't do that anymore. I don't do that thing anymore. I mean, my, that's why my husband and I, in our videos, we, we, it always starts funny because it's just, you know, you've got to open people up yeah. and then you pour truth in. And it's just, I don't know. We just have fun. That's awesome. And you're exactly right. I bet those concerts after post just not the hands, but the whole thing were probably yeah. the best conference, the most uh, life-giving concerts and enjoyable because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There is. The letter of the law is, you know, there's death and, it, and it's yeah. strict and it's stringent and it's tight. And then, then, then it gets measured the same way. When we pour out in a way that's just constricted, then it gets measured by the, the judging and yeah. Release yourself and let freedom go. Let the naysayers fall by the wayside. And yeah. Let the beauty and the and the humanity and and the spiritual spiritual part of us, you know, rise up to the finest occasion. Just enjoy Amen. Jesus. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's great. Well, it's been such a joy having you on. I I imagine that our time is probably gone, if not completely gone. But we could just sit here and chat all day. We I think we could. Where can we'll they have her back? Well, Red Couch and and um, you talked about um, yes, I will pray. But where else can they find you if they want to? They can find um, Shirley and Alan Sherman, A L A N S H A R A L E E. Well, you'll probably have that in some something. But it's um, Shirley and Alan Sherman. That page they can find. You can find us on Teak Twenty Two, which we'll talk about the next time. That's our tent making. And then um, we also have a counseling page that's called From Now On, which is um, based on Jesus talking to the woman who was pulled out and the Pharisees being asked, asking him and all the things that he said. And everybody was all gone. And he said, where are your accusers? And she said, they're gone. And he said, go. And from now on, sin no more. So our counseling ministry is from now on. And then we also have, um, yes, I will pray. And I have a music page, the Shirley music page. And I mean, if you just look up Shirley Sherman, in all the <laughs> there's, I know it's the red couch. The red couch is there too. I forgot. The that's there too. that's the newest baby. So, and that's all incorporating yes, I will pray into it as well, because it really kind of came out of that because we really feel like, yes, I will pray needs, we needed to go more, it didn't need to stay on a on a page. It needed to have people, you know, the, the human touch. The visuals and your our world has really changed, hasn't it? I mean, this is just a whole new day. And so we're learning a new way to communicate and get that message out there and to yeah. connect people, to be connected. Right. So it was wonderful to have you and it closing words, if somebody's listening to this for the very first time, they're hearing your story or they're even stumbled onto this because you know our podcast is under the spiritual. Maybe they maybe they didn't mean to find this podcast. Mm -hmm. What would be some closing words you'd like to leave with our listening audience? Don't ever think that God isn't listening because he is. He taught us how to pray. Jesus taught us how to pray. And he said, when you pray, he told us not to do the religious thing, not to do babbling, not to come and, you know, put our fancy robes on. He says, when you pray, just pray this way. Mm -hmm. Our Father, who art in heaven, holy is your name. 
your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today what we need, our daily bread, and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. And lead us not into the temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's it. That's it right there. Beautiful. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. Wanda, good to be with you again as well. Thank you, Thank you so much, Shirley. Thank you so much. I love you. Mwah. Thank I you love for you. doing this. You. And um, as always, we're so glad that you've been listening to the Freedom Girls Sisterhood. And you can find, you can find Dawn at DawnScottDamon.com or the FreedomGirlsSisterhood.com. You can find me at ptsdperspectives.org. All right. Beautiful. That's it. This is Don Scott Damon, your freedom coach, saying we will see you next time. And don't forget, yes, I will pray because it's freedom time. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Freedom Girl Sisterhood. Like us on Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and review us. And if you'd like to leave us a note, find us on the Freedom Girl Sisterhood Facebook page or any social media at Dawn Scott Damon. As always, live a fierce, full, and free life because it's freedom time. <laughs>